Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. My name is Orchid Brown. I am your host with the Orchid Blooms podcast. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Orchid Eye Brown. Before I get into this podcast episode, I just wanted to give a quick update. So I finally ordered some merch from my website just to kind of see if it's good or not. I ordered the ambitious t-shirts, which are now available on the website, taonetwork.ca. So definitely go on the website and order your first merch that says Ambitious. It's in three different colors. Hopefully I can make some time to take some photos in the t-shirts and post it up on our Instagram page, which is at the Ambitious Net. So don't forget to follow our Instagram page, Facebook and Twitter. I had mentioned two episodes back that I had signed up to participate in Ottawa elections. And so I've never done the Ottawa elections, as I mentioned before, but this was my first time doing it on a provincial level. And honestly, from what I've heard about the provincial uh, elections is that there's not a lot of people that turn turn up. So I was like, okay, I'll still try it because I've done the federal election and now I want to try the provincial elections. And honestly, a lot of people showed up. I was pleasantly surprised i thought it was going to be one of those super boring days but a lot of people showed up i was super surprised with the people that you know recently had surgery like there was a lot of older people that came in that had hip surgery and they had their canes and their walkers and they had difficulties walking and breathing and they still showed up they still showed up to actually vote because their vote matters And so I was just wowed and I did the best work that I possibly could. I was so tired that day, but I did it. Um, You know, I even switched with another girl just to kind of give her some time to work as an election assistant because that's what she was. And I think it was like an hour later, she came over to me. She she says, "I, I would like to switch back. And I'm like, really? I was having so much fun just greeting people and directing people. But now I had to go back to the table where I had to, you know, help people out because apparently there was a lot of people that did not receive their ballots and they vote a lot over the years. So it was kind of they were I was confused and they were confused as, as to the fact that they never received their sheet of paper where they'll be able to come in. It tells them exactly what table they have to go to and they get their forms and it shows them everything. And then they go behind the booth and they they fill out their their ballots. And so one of the things that I really liked about the provincial election is that it, it went a lot smoother than in the past when I participated in a federal election. Like they had this new little system where it literally took their vote and it processed it through this machine, which I had nothing to do with because my job was just to, you know, look up people's name, figure out where they they're going, um, send them to the right tables. So I had nothing to do with actually processing the ballots. It was more more the supervisor's position to do so. And yeah, it was so smooth and it was so easy. And I thought, man, <laughs> I hope that the federal election is updated like this because the last time I did the federal election, 
They had to recount the votes how many times because of these stupid pieces of paper. And we ended up staying another, you know, two hours trying to make sure that everything was counted properly. And it was a long day because you start at like 830 in the morning. And for some reason, I got home at like midnight. So this process with the provincial election was way easier. And I was, again, completely impressed with the organization. I was completely impressed with how they handled the situation. Everyone took their jobs very seriously. The turnout was amazing. All the people were positive, even though, you know, they were upset that they didn't receive a ballot and their name wasn't really on the list. And, you know, they're regular voters. So this is definitely something that the city of Ottawa is going to have to figure out um, going forward is making sure that people who are supposed to receive their ballots actually receive their ballots. But for those people who have moved and you know from one part of the city to the other part of the city and never got their form because again maybe the city wasn't notified of that movement as of yet we were able to actually assist them in making sure that they 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 were able to vote so we we i mean they had everything organized and they made it super simple and super easy for everyone to be able to vote regardless and if they have lived in the neighborhood for a while and they came to the wrong location, we sent them to the right location and with the provided them with the address. So it was it was really good. I, I really, truly enjoyed it. I hope to do it again for both provincial and federal. I really enjoy participating in the elections, especially in Canada. While we're on that elections topic, I have been so obsessed <laughs> with the American elections. And it's been like that since, you know, Trump situation. I was not that invested as much when it, you know, when it was Obama, because in my mind, I was like, he's going to win. And he did. I wasn't sure that America was ready for a black president, but they did. And they, they voted him in twice. So kudos to America for proving me wrong. Um, but, you know, I started truly paying attention um, to the American elections uh, with Hillary and Donald Trump. And, you know, the fact that she didn't win, I was like, wow, America really isn't ready for a female president. They were, they were okay with a black president, but they weren't ready for a female president. And they truly loved, they truly loved Michelle Obama as the first lady. Like she leveled up the position to the point that even Trump's wife who came into office, nothing she did was good enough. <laughs> Did she even do anything? I don't even recall. Um, but I've been really focusing on this because, you know, with this United States, like, it's a hot mess. I don't know how else to say it. It's just a serious, hot, hot mess just going on YouTube because I don't have cable and just watching, you know, MSNBC, CNN. I can't do Fox News. They're too much especially after the Kanye West interview, I was like, oh my God, I'll watch Fox just for that. And I did watch it. And I was like, what the hell am I watching? But other than that, I try to stay away from Fox News. It's just too much for me. Um, but it it's really serious down there. I mean, serious, serious business. And so I tend to watch their election because number one, it's super entertaining and thank God I don't live there. Um, but at the same time, you know, depending on the tide in the U.S., it does affect Canada. And so paying attention to what's happening in the U.S. will then kind of tell us what's going to be happening here in Canada. For some apparent reason, it, the connection is just so close that whatever goes on down there somehow affects up here. 
So I like to kind of be on top of it when it comes to, you know, are they going Democratic or are they going Republican? And so far, I was like, swear to God, they better not vote Republican because I can't. The Republicans are killing me. And keep in mind, even here in Canada, we have the liberals and the conservative. I am very conservative, but I have, like when it comes to value system, I'm very conservative, very traditional. And so when it comes to, to you know, the causes that, the liberals or Democrats in the states fight for, I stand for those as well. I stand for social justice and freedom for everyone uh, to be able to make their own decisions. And so I really didn't, I really did not want the Republican to win the House. And I'm really hoping that they haven't. I haven't really caught up. I've been so busy writing this podcast episode today that I, I haven't really checked. But I think I was watching like Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. And they said that a few Republican or not Republicans, but a few Democrats had one. And I was like, OK, but the one Democrat that I really want to win is a black woman um, who has all these credentials behind her. And she was a great speaker. I mean, I thought she was a preacher <laughs> based on the way that she talked. Um, but I mean, from what I heard, I heard Dr. Oz lost. So I was like, OK, thank God. Like, what a phony. And and I was really rooting for the black woman. So I don't know if she had lost or won. So I, re- I have a lot to catch up on, after, especially after this podcast episode. I'm going to be going back to it and watching it. But I'm very scared if the Republican actually wins the House because taking away women's rights to to have an abortion is some serious business. Like they must have forgotten that women back in the day came together to fight for their right to vote. I was like, when you're telling women, when you're telling women that they don't have a right to choose what happens to their body, that's a serious issue. So I really don't want them to win the house. I hope and pray that Canada, if they do, that Canada doesn't follow suit because honestly, listen, Pierre Elliott Trudeau made it clear in Canada that you know, the state needs to stay out of people's bedrooms, out of people's business, period. So I don't want to hear the Canadian government coming back going, hey, I'm going to now tell women what they can and cannot do with their bodies. That's ridiculous. And I just don't understand why the Republicans thought that making enemy out of women would be a smart action for them. And so I'm telling you, watching watching the American <laughs> American politics is it's like a reality TV show. It's seriously a reality TV show, and I I just don't understand the logic behind a lot of what the Republicans are doing. And like I said, I I connect to some of their value systems. Like I don't agree with abortion, but it's not my place to inflict my beliefs on anyone else. Because, again, it could be for many reasons that a lot of people have abortions. And it could be for health purposes as well. So why the hell am I, you know, leaving my yard to go over to somebody else's yard and start dictating what they can and can't do in their own damn home with their own damn body like I own it? So it was crazy. And so, you know, I tend to even watch what's happening in the news in the, in the US, you know, due to inflations, because once they start struggling with inflations, Canada is, is next, not even a few days. It's like, boom, <laughs> you watch it on YouTube and it's already happening. 
So I, I tend to, to watch the United States just to kind of see what what, how the tides are going to turn here in Canada. And so, I, I again, it's literally my reality TV, but it's real, like real, real. And I also, you know, start checking the news here or, you know, watching what's going on um, to see what's happening, checking out the prices, watching for everything. As I am watching the States, I knew that they were going through baby formula issues. And I was like, oh, damn, Canada's next. <laughs> I don't have any kids and I don't have any babies, so I don't know because I've never gone out looking for baby formula, but it's just crazy, just crazy what is going on in the States. It's a shit show, just a complete shit show. And the worst part about it is the U.S. is considered to be one of the most powerful countries in the world. And for some apparent reason, they are a hot mess and they're showing the world that they are a hot mess. So it's like if the goal is to knock yourself down a peg on the list of powerful countries, you're doing a bang up job, (laughs) a seriously bang up job based on what I'm watching. And so to move on past this topic, I did finish painting my home and I reorganize a little bit, but I find that my issue is that I need to start letting go of things and I know that I'm not the only one that struggles with this but the fact that I cannot let go of things that I'm not using and I make up the excuse that oh they have so much memories in this and it's not it's not for my benefit to keep it so I really have been struggling for this past week just deciding what has to go and what I can keep and the worst part about it is is that you're sitting there going will I be can I use this again? You know what I mean? Because the worst thing you can do is throw something out and then a year pass and you're like, shit, I I actually needed it. I could have used it this year. And I know that a lot of people think that, but we're hoarders. If we're not careful, we're going into the hoarding lane and we just need to let things go. Um, And because we change. A person, a, a person, a human being does not stay the same for a very long time. So I have to constantly need to remind myself that I have grown as an individual. The things that I used to like, I don't necessarily like anymore. And yes, I'm one of those practical people. Like when I buy gifts for people, it's practical. They have to use it. I like to buy things that people use. I don't want to buy things that just sits on a shelf or gets thrown into a box. That's a waste of my money, and that's a, that's a waste of their time. You know how some these people pleasers are? Oh, thank you for this gift. Like, they just won't be honest with you and say they hate it, so you can take the gift back and give it to somebody else that would appreciate it. They're going to be like, oh, thank you. You're so sweet, and it ends up in a box or in a garbage. So I like to buy practical gifts for people. So that's kind of the way that I'm looking at my life. And I mean, I've been, you know, researching minimalistic lifestyle and trying to just cut down. I I don't need all of this stuff. So, you know, back before COVID, we were emotional spenders. During COVID, we were emotional spenders because we only had ourselves <laughs> to talk to, to to communicate with. And we tend to just buy stuff out of loneliness, not being able to see our family and our friends. And it sucked. So we, we reverted back into this emotional spending that we usually did. And the good news is like during COVID, I was very disciplined. I was very good at making sure that I did not spend unnecessarily. 
So I was very proud of myself for that. I only bought things that I needed. And one of the things that I normally do is that I make a list of things that I actually need to buy that are going to be used. And that's the only thing I could buy. So I didn't spend a lot of money during COVID at all. I actually saved a good amount of money to put down on my RSP. So it was great. And so now, you know, winter tires is going to cost me brand new winter tires plus the installation everything together is going to cost me about $1,500 and I was like what the fuck like who has that kind of money right now to spend especially with all the products going up because apparently manufacturers are complaining about how how it's causing them to to spend more to to produce certain products and so I was just going through the store and I was looking at you know all the prices that got up like went up and I I I think I came upon a brand that I don't actually buy but I remember it being so damn cheap years ago and now it's like 30 bucks for a moisturizer I was like Sarah V are you legit kidding me you went from what under ten dollars to now being close to thirty dollars for a moisturizer you must be mad never bought you before but i'm definitely not buying you now and if you actually go through these aisles you see a bunch of products that do the exact same things but from all different companies and and i kept thinking if you're gonna raise the price is it really necessary i was even talking to someone about it as well and the person was saying to me that you know they uh, have a feeling that they're going to increase the price due to production of these products, these many products that do the exact same fucking thing. I went to Olay. The section of Olay has how many different products that says anti-wrinkles? So many products that says anti-wrinkles. And all different colored box, but it's the same damn moisturizer, just different packaging. It was ridiculous. I was like, no, these companies... (laughs) are screwing themselves just trying to market the same damn thing in different looks. Come on, people. It's too much. So it's difficult to just find that one line of product or one brand that just does exactly what you need it to do and you can just focus on spending your money on that. But instead, you have all these colorful things. They all do the exact same thing. So a lot of people come January or even now are going to have to decide they're going to have to decide, you know, are you going to be foolishly just buying whatever products you see um, that looks pretty or are you going to start buying for what it actually does for you? You know what I'm saying? And and buy maybe one at a time rather than a bunch because, oh, look, it's a sale price, but it's not really a sale price because the price went up and then just charging you the old price with the sale. Pr- it's yeah, it's whatever. So the girl was saying to me that they're going to up the price for the products and then they're basically going to give you less for more. So they're going to shrink the packaging and then charge you more for less to offset it. And I said, honestly, you know, I understand why they're doing it because with the minimum wage going up and the the way that this world is going and how expensive it's getting, a lot of these people are now demanding raises from their workplace. And so companies are now having to pay out more money to their employees because the cost of living is too high. And so they need to somehow charge back that money somewhere and it's going to be in the products that they sell to you even though they have multiple products that are the exact same with different brandings or different packaging 
and sell it right back to you. But at the end of the day, the company just doesn't want to keep paying their employees too much. Now they're trying to find a way to transfer that money to to consumers. And I said, if you even look at it, you have the credit card companies now issuing statements. Thank God I don't have a credit card. But issuing statements that basically said on top of the 30% that they're charging you in interest per month, they're also going to be charging you every single time you use your credit card for a transaction. So the company is no longer going to be paying for that. You will be the one paying for that. So let me get this straight, 30%, minimum of 30% interest rate on these credit cards. And then on top of that, you want to charge us for every single time we use the credit card for a transaction. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Like it's going nuts. It's getting nuts out there. I just, how are you supposed to save? How are you supposed to catch up? How are you supposed to not drown uh, with with everything that's going on financially like no one is able to keep up with the mess that is truly happening everything has gotten expensive like i'm even i mean i went to mcdonald's and i spent like how much for a freaking meal and keep in mind that meal didn't even fill me up even though they have a lot of these msgs and stuff in it i mean it didn't fill me up but i definitely spent what 15 dollars. it was one meal i had to download the app so i can get some like deals and it's like at this point you're going around and you're only shopping at places that provide deals but it's it's just it's getting mental it's just getting mental out there so that is the update sorry it's so long it's just with the previous podcast episode being the halloween special i didn't think it was wise for me to go into this conversation and so because it's been what like three weeks since I haven't really given you an update on on any of this stuff, um, the intro for this podcast episode is a bit longer than needed to be. So don't be mad at me if the podcast episode ends up going over an hour. I try not to go over an hour, but with this one, it is. And I apologize. Please forgive me. The topic today is going to be quite interesting. You will not be disappointed. Um, so keep listening. Bear with me. Try not to fall asleep on me if you're listening to this podcast episode before you go to bed. Hopefully, you know, the distance <laughs> for you to drive to work in the morning is going to be over an hour so you can finish this podcast episode if you're the type of person that listens to it in the morning um other than that i just want to say that i'm sorry hopefully next podcast episode i won't have a lot to update you on i can just get straight to the point um so today's podcast episode is on savior complex savior complex is also known as white knight syndrome this is the impulsive need to save people by fixing their problems Now, I understand why many people feel the need to be a white knight to those they care for, for those they love. But there are people who are not doing it out of the pureness of their heart. They are trying to help you or fix you for selfish reasons. People that have a need or desire to help others and those they love would be considered to be nurturers. That's just my opinion. A nurturer is defined as care for or encourage the growth or development of so the purpose of caring for or encouraging the growth and development of someone or something my issue with these people are that they can't tell the difference between helping people and doing all the work for them they need to save them from taking that burden off their backs the work they should be doing for themselves and their development is now being done by their savior which i completely find to be rude 
I understand that some nurturers want to be the husband, the wife, and the whole damn family to the people they are trying to save or fix. They are even trying to be their God at this point, which comes off as narcissistic. Somehow the savior is a center of attention, deserving of all the praise because look what they are doing for you. Taking all the credit for your growth because of them, you are saved. I have met some people like that in the church personally, and I couldn't stand them because as much as they believe that they serve the Lord, for some apparent reason, they want to take credit for the hard work that other people are doing in their lives to become better people. And that is what I cannot stand. Before I continue on the topic of nurturers, I just wanted to share a story. So I met this girl when I was in university, super kind girl. She was from Toronto and um, she decided to come to Ottawa to go to University of Ottawa to study in a program. And so I met her there through um, the association that I was associated with. And we had a great time just talking and getting to know each other and, and things like that. And so she introduced me to her boyfriend who happened to be like close to 40 years old. And I was like, girl, what? <laughs> You're like 20, 21. Like, what are you doing with a dude that's almost 40 years old? Like, what's going on here? So I kept saying to myself, okay, maybe he's a sugar daddy. So when I finally met him, I was like, damn, this is a Baroque ass dude. Baroque, it, not even like just broke financially. He was he was just mentally broken. He's emotionally broken. Like everything about him just screams run. You know what? I, you ever met those types of people? But anywho, she loved this guy. She was just so in love with him. She wanted to fix him. It was her purpose. So I remember sitting down with her one day and I said, why do you want to fix him so badly? Like, if you love this person, why why do you want to fix them? And she's like, oh, I just, I need to fix. Like, if I can't, if I can't fix a person, I don't want them. And in my mind, I kept thinking, but that's not love. <laughs> if you're picking someone just because you love to fix them, it's not them that you love. It's, it's the fact that they need you, that you, you love them. You love being needed. And so I was like, okay. And I said, but what if you guys don't work out in the future? Because keep in mind, you're in university. Like after university, you have grown as a person. You might not still be in love with that same person that you are with right now. And she's like, well, that's fine. She's, she's like, it's okay if he moves on with somebody else. And I said, but you're going to put in that much work to build him up, to fix his broken mind, his broken emotions, and the fact that he just cannot function, period out into the world you're gonna fix all of that just so you can you know give him over to another woman and she's like yeah it's fine and I said you don't feel any way about it and she's like no she's like I like to fix men and then send them off into the world to find something better for them and I thought to myself what the fuck am I hearing like I just don't understand people I was like okay so it turns out this dude was broke as I said broke all over 
Um, he has a baby mama. He has a kid. He can't afford to support his kid. He doesn't spend very much time with his kid. She decided to blow her entire tuition, which was $5,000 back in the day. And it was $5,000 for one semester. She blew all of her tuition money, buying him clothes and food and dressing him up and trying to make him feel good. I guess she forgot that she was in university and she was there to study so she can pass this program and do something with her life or herself. So she decided to blow the money just so she can like build him up. And I thought to myself, so your idea of fixing a man is shower him, showering him with gifts and food and babying him because all she did was baby him and rub his hands and his shoulders and his hair. And keep in mind, I'm a touchy feely type of person myself but it what for her it was like a soothing thing for her it wasn't that she just liked touching him it was just to make him feel good like every single time so she kept paying for his ticket to come visit her in ottawa from toronto all the time so i was like you know girl i didn't see you in school or class and she's like oh yeah i was spending time with my boyfriend all day we went to the mall we did this we did that So I was like, okay. So the semester was over. She didn't pay her tuition and her grades bombed because she never showed up to class and she didn't study because she was always with him. He he was her education at this point. He was her her life. And I just I, I was like, damn, like fixing someone really takes that much out of you that you abandon all areas of your life just so you can try to serve this person and again he was a complete loser to the point that you know when I did go to visit her during the summertime in Toronto because we went to Carabana you know he was flirting with however many people she was the one introducing him to all her connections and all her friends her DJ friend was there a bunch of other girls were there And whenever he gets upset, he would go and start flirting with a girl or trying to pick her up just to like get back at her for not being on his arm for the entire night or following him around or ignoring her friends. You know, she needed to to not be so accessible to the people that she knows. So he felt some sort of way and he started acting a fool. And I thought to myself, this is fucking ridiculous. Like who wants to be in a relationship with a guy like this? I cannot believe it. So I was like, all right, girl, so I guess you're going to get a job so you can pay that tuition that you haven't paid. And she's like, yeah, I'm looking into it. She really wasn't because she couldn't really leave him alone. She was always at his place like every single day trying to support him, trying to be there for him. I was like, how are you not drained? And she's like, I love him. Like this, this is what I need to do for him. You know what I mean? Like I want him to be better. I want him to be the best version of himself. And I was like, yeah, but you're, you're literally dropping your life for a dude that is fully capable of picking himself back up off the floor, but he's acting like he's emotionally, you know, emotionally retarded. And I shouldn't be using that word because it's not a nice word to use, but literally he was retarded. So eventually we had to part ways, her and I, uh, because he started feeling some sort of way because I wasn't really kissing his ass or making him feel better. And I guess he wanted me to show some interest in him. Like he was the best damn shit that ever walked into a room with his broke ass, his broke mentality and his broke emotions. Like I was supposed to find that 
attractive because he'd always come up to me and he starts telling me all these great things about himself and I know it's bullshit and I was like for real for real my nigga damn I was like wow you're amazing I'm like you must be just doing all these wonderful things like I, how many how many days a week do you see your 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 child and he's like uh um like every day and I'm, I knew that was a lie because he's with her every day and when he does get his kid um, he just leaves the kid with her and he goes off and hangs out with his friends because I'll be on the phone with her talking when she's watching his kid so he can go and have a life, apparently. He always needs to have a life when his kid comes around. It's very odd, very, very odd. So, you know, he was just doing the most to try to seem like he was a man that had it together and I just was not seeing through it. So he didn't like it. He didn't like it. So he then started saying, oh, she was hitting on me. She was trying to get with me. And I was like, girl, please, you really think that I would ever pick up a loser like that? A loser. Like, I, I understand you need to fix him, but I'm not in a business to fix nobody. That's not my responsibility. That's not my place in life. You are, you are in charge of your own mind, your own body. I am not your God. I am not your savior if you need help, then you need to go seek professional help. I am not a therapist. I am not, you know, a nurse. I, I am not any of those things. So I would never put myself in a position where I would have to fix somebody. If I can't accept you for who you are as a person, then I shouldn't be in your presence at all. So this one is another story I want to share because I have a feeling I'm going to forget while I am going over this podcast episode with you guys. But I even remembered meeting this other girl when I worked in a call center while I was going to university. And she was telling me that she was one of these girls that always picked up these losers and she builds them up, you know, because she's a fixer. She's a fixer too. And um, she was the type of girl that took them out for meals. She clothed them. She made them feel special. And then they would break up. And then she says, you know, she'd be really happy for them when they moved on. But she said she's the type of girl that would find a man. And after he finds her, he'll find his wife. And I said, why would you say that? She's like, because majority of the guys that I have been in a relationship with, they meet the next girl and they get married to her. And I was like, that's a really sad story. <laughs> I don't understand these fixers. But every man she's ever been with has always found what they were truly looking for after they had her. And I thought, I mean, I said to her, are you sure these guys aren't hearing these rumors from other people? And they're like, oh, if I want to meet the love of my life, I just need to go into a relationship with this girl. She's like, maybe. She's like, I don't know. I was like, do you date in the same circle? She's like, well, most likely everybody knows each other. And I was like, oh, so everyone just come, like all these guys just come along. They let you prop them up. They let you pay for all their food and take care of her. You take care of them and you nurture them and treat them like babies. Here's a titty. And then, you know, they break up with you and all of a sudden they find the love of their lives. And I said, you know, are you sure they're finding the love of their lives after they, they find you? Or do they find a gullible person who's willing to put up with all of their mess? And so because they know that they've locked out, they don't want to lose it. And they marry them immediately. She's like, maybe. She's like, I'm not really sure. I was like, all right, we'll give it a few years. <laughs> if their marriage crumbles, I'm right. <laughs> you know? 
So it's just crazy to me meeting some of these women who are fixers and just the life that they chose for themselves because they need to fix a man. Like they need to be in a position where they're, they are in power somehow or in control or, you know, have their, their, their hands on a man's back or on his neck kind of thing. So it, it was like, I guess it's a turn on. I'm, I'm not really sure. I've never been interested in fixing anyone. So I guess I can't be in the loop. So back to the topic. I don't want to make nurturers sound evil which is why I started this podcast episode by saying that there are those that are not doing these things for others out of the kindness of their heart. I think I use the term pure, pureness, because genuinity is so hard to find these days. Um, Nurturers have a high amount of sympathy and empathy for others, especially those that care, that they care about deeply. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of People with empathy have the ability to sense other people's emotions, coupled with the ability to imagine what someone else might be thinking or feeling. That is a heavy emotion to carry, the burden they may feel from this every day. A lot of people are incapable of shutting it off, so it's maddening. Sympathy is the feeling of pity or sorrow for someone else's misfortune. It is a feeling of sincere concern for someone who is experiencing something difficult or painful. The difference between the two are empathy is our ability to understand how someone feels while sympathy is our relief in not having the same problems. You know, I have a lot of sympathy for people. (laughs) I do. Genuine people can express sympathetic sympathy. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's a feeling or showing concern about someone who is in a bad situation. I have to be honest, I suck at this. Why? Because if you are the cause, I don't have any sympathy for you. I don't know how to show any sympathy towards your situation or empathy in that matter because you are the problem. You are creating harm for yourself and others. You also don't seem to want to help yourself. Now, saviors don't see this important fact. They are single-minded. They need to save you, give you a pass, give you excuses. They can't see when they are becoming a part of the problem. I am not frustrated when the saviors are being taken advantage of by those they are trying to save. In my mind, it serves you right. I have friends that are saviors, and I have met people based on the story that I've just shared of people that like to fix others. They feel it's their purpose. They have to. Like they have an illness, but they look so healthy, emotionally, mentally, healthy. There are people out there who confuse helping others and being with them as a means to fix or save them. The lines become blurred when you get too close or too intimate. You can't 
fuck them and help them all at the same time. And I've mentioned this in a previous podcast episode. I believe it was love and guilt. Yes, it was love and guilt. It defeats your purpose. The reason why I say that is because over the summertime, I was having dinner with these two siblings. And so they both kind of have the same issue, whereas they need to be needed. They need to feel needed. They assume that being needed is similar to to being intimate with somebody and a lot of people don't seem to understand that intimacy and and a need it's not really the same thing they were confusing their need with intimacy and so this is a reason why they'll meet someone that maybe fits the look of what they were looking for and if they were somewhat emotionally broken or mentally broken even better because then they can try to fix them throughout the their relationship with them and then feel important and they associate that feeling of validation with intimacy. And in my mind, I was like, so you don't want to be touched or kissed or held or cuddled or, you know, having meaningful sex with them. Like that's not a big deal for you. It's it's more that you need to fix them and fuck them at the same time. Is is that what it is? And I, I remember both of them saying that, well, I don't see a problem with helping the person and being with them all at the same time. And I said, for real, for real? And they're both like, yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay, if it's working for you, I mean, you've you've had a lot of meaningful relationships out of of helping um, these people and, and fucking them at the same time, right? And they're like, well, I mean, it didn't really work out, but, you know, it was great for that moment. So I turned to the guy who's her brother and I said, so why do you keep picking girls that just play you? And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, you want to feel needed, right? So is part of the need that they need to use you for some purpose or reason? So he says, no, none of the women has ever have ever used me. Um, it's always been mutual. We've we've always gotten along and everything was great up until the end. And I said, all right, well, let's go to this one relationship that I remember you were in. And he goes, okay. I said, you remember the lawyer or the, the wannabe lawyer? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I said, you liked her because she was going places, right? And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, the fact that she was in law school was an impressive thing to have. And you being someone who doesn't really have a career, um, you, you, do, you provide a service and you get paid for it, but you don't actually have a career. You're now with a woman that is about to graduate from law school, pass the bar and become a lawyer. And that looks good on you, right? And he's like, yeah, but I don't think he wanted to admit that when I said it. But it's the way I did it, I guess. So he had no choice but to be honest. And then I said, all right. And so you were also fixing her emotionally, right? And he's like, yeah, I was there for her, feeding her positivity as much as I possibly can. And I said, in my mind, I didn't actually say this to him. In my mind, I, I thought, you know, I've met people that are extremely positive. I mean, every single time they open their mouth, they're always like, positive, the sun is shining, la da 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 And as much as I want to be positive all the time, like these people are, it's quite annoying. Just like it's annoying when someone is always negative, someone who's always positive is annoying. It really is. So I was like, all right. So, you know, I remember talking to this girl 
when I first met you like years ago. And he was like, oh, I'm like, you don't remember? He goes, not really. I'm like, you were standing right beside her the whole time that I was talking to her. And he goes, okay. And I said, I remember her clearly saying to me that night after about two drinks that she is struggling in law school and that she's hoping that you'll put a ring on it so she can quit law school and just be a married stay-at-home wife. And he goes, what? And I said, you didn't know this? He goes, no. I'm like, you were standing right there at the bar when she told me this. You were in a relationship with her for about four months and she was already planning to quit school and not be a lawyer but to be your wife he didn't know that he looked at me shocked because they were in a relationship for a while and he didn't know any of this i said yeah she really needed you to put a ring on it because her family back home because i guess she was from the middle east but she was like a christian middle eastern uh woman and i said you know her family you know expects her to hurry up and get engaged while she's in 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 law school so if law school is not going very well and she's lying to everyone and making it seem like she's doing well in law school, and at this point, it doesn't seem like she's going to last very long. And when it comes to doing the bar, I, I already know she's going to struggle studying to try to pass the bar, even if she passed law school. So she needed you to marry her. I said, that's the reason why she was doing as much as she could to convince you that she was the best wife. Everything was rosy, right? Nothing she did was wrong, right? Everything was just perfect. She coddled you. She followed you everywhere. She cooked you food. She did all that she needed to do to prove to you that she was the wife that you needed in your life. I said, eventually, in that relationship, she started to change, right? He goes, yes. And I said, you ever wondered why? And he goes, not really. He's like, but I did confront her about it one day because every time we'd go out to dinner or we'd go and spend time together out in the world, she would just snap in public. And I said, uh-huh. So when you asked her, what did she say? He said, well, it turns out she was feeling pressured by her parents and she needed to get married and I was taking too long. So I said, all right, now you understand why she needed you. She needed you to put a ring on her finger and marry her as soon as possible. Now, were your needs fulfilled in any way? He's, he's like, well, I almost married her until my family stepped in and stopped me from marrying her. And I said, all right, now you know, looking back, based on my version of the story, the part that you clearly didn't know throughout the entire relationship, that you were played. She played you. She saw you as somebody that she can convince to marry her. Do you feel like you fixed anything because you went into this relationship because this girl had a need and you fulfilled that need for her, but when you weren't proposing to her within the time frame that she wanted, doing all of that work while she's failing school, she did all of that work while she's failing school because you were it. You were the option. She needed to get married to you like, ASAP so she can just abandon her other option so now that you know you didn't fulfill that need that she wanted you for how did you help her and I said how did it help you now that it's over how did it help both of you so I asked him the final question are you sure that you're picking your relationships with these girls who see you as something that they could want or to fulfill that need that they're trying to fill? Do Are you sure that the validation of being with them is something that you're seeking from them? His only response to me after asking all those questions, because he had to really think about it, was that he just likes to be needed. And I said, all right.
that's when of course his sister jumped in and she's like there's no problem there's no there's no issues with feeling needed you know like right now there's this guy that I really like and you know he clearly has some issues but you know he's a doctor and he's he's going off and you know he's doing all these great things in his life but he's struggling and I just want to be there for him and I said but he don't want you so you're chasing someone because you want to fill that need and you feel like he's the perfect candidate for it, but he's not. And he doesn't see you as the person that's going to fill their needs in the way that he wants you to. So you're both just seeking relationships with people that you can help and you're not really helping them and they're not really helping you, but that validation that you get in that moment and time just through the interactions over a period of time seems to be all that you need and all that fuels you. But you're still miserable after they're gone because technically whatever you were chasing, you didn't actually get. I said, once you started fucking these people, that's when the relationship started to change because you went from starting out by flirting with them and helping them and being super positive and telling them what to do with their lives and they thought you were a great person. And then once you fucked them, all of a sudden it switched. It didn't, they weren't looking at you as the person that could could help them anymore that could provide advice or be that that center for them they started seeing you as more of uh fulfilling their needs and their purpose and so you didn't actually help them you didn't do anything because you were too busy confusing the relationship by sleeping with them i'll explain what i'm trying to say through this story as we go along so let's get back to the topic of conversation it goes against what you are trying to do in this person's life imagine doing all the work while making excuses for the person you're fucking for not doing any work then when you fail you get blamed because you were the only one working on it you were so distracted by the sex that you didn't notice how tired you are how drained you are from doing all of it and you didn't notice that the person you are trying to fix has done nothing at all except play you but we can't give them all the credit because you played yourself so that's the point that i was trying to explain to these two siblings about their actions and how they were selecting their partners or people that they're helping is that you can't confuse the two because something's gonna give some it's gonna cause more harm i said when the relationship ended these people turned around and blamed them they started saying that they were this they were that they were doing too much they were the problem and at the end of the day it's like you didn't really do anything except hurt yourself in an attempt to save them plus they didn't even ask you to save them you just felt the the need to jump in and save them in the midst of needing to save these people so badly, you didn't realize that you were overcompensating for their lack. You told yourself all you had to do was believe in them, encourage them to develop and grow. In the end, you your work was for nothing. Nothing changed. The person didn't grow the way you wanted them to. They were still stuck in the same place after how many years or months, depending on how long you lasted. You are the one that was working hard. In the podcast episode I did um, at the beginning of my podcasting career, 
Um, I did an interview with a therapist, psychotherapist named Dr. Tiffany Ross. And I asked her the question um, as an interviewer to a therapist, have you ever been in a situation where you found that you were trying to help somebody through therapy and you found that you were doing all the work? How did you handle it? And she had specified that she had to take a step back she had to pull herself way back because she found that she was getting a little too involved and she was now trying to push the person to try to make them make that positive change in their lives. And she was really passionate about it and she realized that that wasn't her purpose in this person's life. She realized that if they were not willing to do the work for themselves, then she can't help them. And so she had to stop herself from doing anything to further their growth in any way because they have to consent to doing the work themselves if you haven't listened to the podcast episode with dr tiffany ross now is the time to go on there and or get on a podcast and scroll all the way down to like the first 10 episodes and listen to what dr tiffany ross had to say because it it does touch on even a therapist being in her position felt that she she needed to to overcompensate for a patient and she had to take a step back. So I won't finish that story, but if you went and, and listened to the podcast episode, she'll say it, she'll tell you in her own words, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Eventually these types of relationship becomes abusive. The bitterness and resentment from the person you are trying to save turns toxic. And they have targeted you, the anger they are expressing towards you. You just don't understand why you are the bad guy. But that's what happens when you have a savior complex. You don't realize that you have to respect other people's boundaries. If they are not ready to actively change something in their lives, it is not your responsibility to make them do it because they won't because now you're pushing them. They're not doing it out of their own free will. They're, they're now trying to fix themselves for you. That's not real growth. That's not real development. Everyone knows that if you truly want to see change in a person, the person has to make that decision themselves. They have to put in the work themselves. If I see that you're doing the work, I will encourage you. I will praise you. But other than that, I'm not holding your hands. I'm not crossing the finish line with you hand in hand. You're going to do it yourself and you're going to prove to me that you are truly dedicated to being the best version of yourself. Now that you are the bad guy, you will start to experience anger because you put in so much work into fixing them, but it didn't stick. Now you are resentful and harbor bitterness because the person didn't turn out as you expected them to. You were supposed to be the savior. How could they betray you like this? Where is your glory and your praise? You have taken on their karma, their sins, their judgment. You fought for them, stood by them, took on the role of their God, an angel by their side, and you have received nothing for it. You have to start asking yourself, was your purpose truly to save them, to fix them? What was your selfish need upon seeking these broken people to fix? Those are the types of questions you have to ask yourself, especially if you have a savior complex. You have to know your 
internal and external environments and what is causing you to do what you do. About a month ago, I was buying some food at this island restaurant by my home. We, the restaurant owner and cook, we were having a discussion on viewing people as assets versus liability. And I remembered asking him, you know, is this a conversation that you were having with some people prior to me coming to the restaurant to order, you know, some jerk chicken and rice and peas and a salad on the side? And he says, yeah, he said that, you know, some of his guy friends came by maybe like an hour or two before I got there. And he they were just kind of telling them or telling him about their problems, especially with females. And he said, after they finished expressing their story, he said, you know what your problem is? And all the guys were like, what? He, he said to them, you don't know the difference between an asset and a liability. And they thought he was talking about something financial. But he was like, no, you need to start picking women who are more of an asset in your life and stop chasing the liabilities. As soon as the restaurant owner mentioned this, a memory popped into my head. So when I was working for the government, God, I have a lot of stories tonight. When I was working for the government, I remember meeting this guy. I forgot his name. Super nice guy. He was, he was from Trinidad and Tobago. So we kind of connected on the fact that we're island folk. And so him and I were talking and he was talking about his girlfriend and how he's thinking about letting her go. And I said, why? If she's good to you, there's no need to let her go. And he says to me, well, she's kind of useless. And I said, what do you mean by useless? He's like, well, she's 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 blonde, blue eyes with a banging body. And I was like, okay, I don't understand. So he whips, he whips out his phone and he shows me her Instagram page. So I'm scrolling through her Instagram page and I'm seeing all the photos that she's posting, tits, ass, designer clothes, like everything. And I was like, oh, this, this is a woman that's not in a relationship, my friend. <laughs> and he goes, for real? I was like, yeah, if you guys have been together for months now, this, this is a social media page that says, I am available. And she's clearly looking or at least lining up a few suitors to well maintain her status. And he goes, he says, yeah, he's like, I started realizing that because, you know, I follow her Instagram page and I see all of this stuff. And I went, all right. So I said, you want to let go of this useless woman? He's like, yeah. And I said, she she doesn't treat you well. He's like, well, he's like, there's just certain things about her. He's like, I find that I just spend a lot of money on her. Keep in mind, this dude's walking through the government with like gold chains that he bought from back home, you know. And I was like, you are so island with the gold chains. And he had like three of them around his neck just walking through. And so I was kind of laughing at him because he's like the typical island, typical island man. It was hilarious. And I said, well, based on the way you're flashy and you're always talking about your money, I mean, what did you expect? He's like, yeah, but, you know, eventually, he's like, I thought she would eventually just kind of show that she was a little bit more than what I was seeing on social media or more than what she, she showed me in the beginning. And I said, okay, I mean, based on the picture, she has a banging body, beautiful girl. I'm like, did she go to college? Did she do anything? He's like, not even. She just finished high school and just started just jumping from here to there and I said okay he's like yeah she she doesn't have any plans she she's not working towards anything I was like she has no plans whatsoever he's like nothing she has no plans whatsoever he's like I bought her plasma tv I take her shopping for designer clothes I bought her how many designer purses and I was like damn and he's like you know when I finally wanted to introduce her to my mom 
you know, we were an hour late to a dinner with my mother at a restaurant because she couldn't decide what dress she wanted to wear. And I thought, oh, she has too much clothes. He's like, clearly. So he said, I was sitting in the living room texting my mom saying, I'm so sorry. You know, we're going to be a little bit late. She, she can't decide what she wants to wear. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I thought maybe she was just stressing out over the fact that, you know, she had to meet your mom. And he's like, yeah, but she does this like all the time. Um, so he started saying that, you know, at this point, like I'm just wasting money on this girl. And I said, but that's her purpose. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, her purpose is to be like the trophy girlfriend. She is supposed to be the arm candy. You know, she's always available because eventually she needs going to need to move on to another man who's going to support her lifestyle. And so, you know, now I understood what the man meant by liability because that's, that story popped into my head and we were having the conversation, but I never used the term liability the way that he used the term liability. And so when he said that, I said, you know, I hope that these guy friends that you're talking to about assets and liability, I hope you broke it down what that kind of looks like. He's like, yeah, of course I broke it down to, to these to these." Um, friends to letting them know that you know you're you're picking girls that just want to use you for your money they're not actually bringing anything to the table they're not saying oh save your money and invest it they're they're not you know working towards a goal with you and trying to build with you they're more about just getting whatever they can out of you and so those are the types of girls that they these guys tend to chase and i thought okay and so looking back at that other story i was like oh wow so this dude found himself a liability and she was a banging girl, but she had no plans and she, she had nothing going for herself. She was just going to get by in life on her looks until she couldn't anymore. And then what was she going to do? Hopefully, you know, she lands a, a rich man by that point and she doesn't actually need to work. And I was like, does she have a job? He's like, honestly, he says he's not really sure. Like she works, you know, a part time job. It does not really full time, but she just spends her money like constantly. I'm like, she has no savings. And the guy's like, no, she has no savings. She literally has zero goals. And I went, whoa, <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. I said, well, it's still your decision, but I would have let that one go because <laughs> who wants to waste their time? with an arm candy that just wastes your money and doesn't seem to understand the importance of family. Like your mom is everything to you and she's going to waste an hour, you know, trying to figure out what she wants to wear to what wow your mom. Is she trying to pick up your mom? Because your mom doesn't seem like the type of woman that would really care that, you know, if she's wearing a designer clothes or how pretty she looks. She could show up in jeans and a t-shirt and your mom would still have been happy. And he said he told her that, but she was like, no. And I said, well, it doesn't sound like she was dressing up to go see your mom. It sounds like she was dressing up to get people to look at her or, you know, maybe get a number slide to her when she's on the way to the bathroom or something or another. And he's like, that's the impression that I got. Like she goes above and beyond trying to show herself off to the public in hopes to to keep people watching. And if they talk to her, she'd be like, oh, follow me on Instagram kind of thing. And that's how she 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 makes her her money. I was like, man, she sounds like an escort or at least a hoe, one of those two. But 
how do you know she's not stepping out on you? He's like, oh, don't worry. I, he's like, I watch her phone. I see what she does. He's like, I know. And I'm like, that's not a relationship, my friend. So he's like, yeah, that's why he's about to let her go. So an asset is a useful or valuable thing, person or quality regarded as having value. Liability means that you are responsible for something. So you have to start looking at life in that way. It isn't a good feeling to be categorizing people as assets or liabilities, but companies do it. They do it all the time. They categorize their employees as assets or liabilities. They treat people who are considered to be assets better than those that prove to be liability to the company. Um, they, they're basically treated as, as disposal. They can go. They're, they won't be missed. <laughs> you know, It sucks that we have to start doing that ourselves. But in relationship, once someone is not considered valuable or no longer needed, they part ways. In life, our value is determined by others and how they how they view us having self-worth means that you see your value and no one can dictate what your value is so a lot of these people you know don't see their value and it sucks it really does to to meet people that somehow try to find a way to put themselves down or put themselves in a position where they don't realize that if a person's spending time with you and they want to be in your presence and they're not asking for money, they're not asking you to do all of that stuff for them, that they are, they they value you. They value your presence. They value who you are. There, there is no need or savior complex that they might be bringing to the table um, by looking at you. People with savior complex are seeking validation. Savior complex is not a mental illness. It is a mental state. If you have a savior complex, you might only feel good about yourself when helping someone. Savior complex can sometimes be traced back to dysfunctional families or dynamics in childhood, resulting in the unhealthy coping mechanism that continues into adulthood. It can cause more good than harm. Savior complex occurs when individuals feel good about themselves only when helping somebody. Believing their job or purpose is to help those around them and sacrifice their own interests and well-being in the efforts to aid another. They feel in control. Again, that's a very important word, control, by fixing the lives of others, often to distract themselves from their own issues. Helping others make them feel better about their own lives. This results in an obsessive need to fix in order to maintain this good feeling sounds like an addiction to me people with savior complex often believe they are somehow better than others Woo! have i met those they feel morally superior they start to believe no one else can save others the way they can people with savior complex tends to seek people who desperately need help and assist them. Emotionally healthy people will never have a compelling need to seek that kind of validation. I mentioned earlier that people who need to save or fix others cause more harm than good. They are trying to fix something they don't have the skills to fix. Rather than entrusting the job to someone who does, 
enabling behaviors are resulted from this based on the stories that I've shared. Savior complex behavior also hinders the growth of the individual being aided and constant attempts to fix their lives can lead to codependency. They don't learn to take responsibility for their own actions nor develop independent internal motivations. No one wants to be in a relationship where one person behaves like the parent and the other behaves like the child, or one partner behaves like the teacher and then the other behaves like the student. That's not a partnership. It is unhealthy and can be very toxic over time. Relationships and friendships are supposed to be mutually enjoyable. A give and take, not a charity case. You should enter into things because you share a common value and have a connection. If you are entering situations, relationships, or friendships with the goal of changing them, then they are a project, not a partner. People with savior complex need to seek help. Find yourself a therapist. It is causing you harm as well as your victims. Before I close this podcast episode, I also wanted to touch on something else. It is called white savior complex. It is an ideology that is acted upon when a white person from a position of superiority or privilege attempts to help or rescue a black indigenous or and people of color. These white saviors believe that they know better or know best or that they have skills that these individuals or groups do not. Since we're on the topic of savior complex, I might as well continue um, into this as well. They feel and think that they are in the position that should enable them to have more power in terms of solving the problem than the people who are impacted. This mindset goes centuries back when white Westerners believed that they inherently had the knowledge, skill, and ingenuity to solve the problems of other people all around the world. People in the developing world and Africa were affected. White savior complex isn't a bad thing. In all complexes, there is a bad side and a good side. During or after a natural disaster, an environmental disaster, a pandemic, or any other humanitarian crisis, they provide immediate solutions. They meet urgent needs in times of crisis. That's the good side. The downside is that their support is publicized. You see people posting videos and photos with poor black children in Africa on their individual social media pages or the companies slash organization gain positive publicity from their community by posting up these videos or photos on their website. Once they get what they need, they go back to their normal lives feeling amazing about themselves, but all of that and their approach doesn't look beyond those immediate needs. The long-term needs of individuals and communities are not addressed. There are social, economical, and political factors at play. White savior mentality encourages individuals' dependence rather than long-term community building 
or long-term community self-sufficiency. It is to encourage the slave master and slavery mentality that caused more harm than good throughout our history. They put a band-aid on the problem to get recognition and publicity, but it does not prevent the problem from occurring again. I personally wanted to talk about savior concept in an individual podcast episode, but unfortunately, I have never met a white savior. I have never truly researched or truly thought about it yes i see it on tv and yes i see it on social media where you know you see these white people holding up black kids and taking pictures of these poor you know poverty stricken people um, and posting it on their social media pages and so that's my only my only connection to that sort of topic so i decided to include it within this podcast episode since we were on the topic of savior complex and just kind of go from there now i will i might continue this conversation in another podcast episode, another future podcast episode, when I can touch on this specific topic some more. But for now, I will end on this note. Thank you for supporting the Orchid Blooms podcast. Visit our website at taonetwork.ca and our social media pages on Facebook, the Ambitious Obsession Network, Instagram at the Ambitious Obsession Net, Twitter at the Ambitious Ops. My personal Instagram and TikTok page is at Orchid Eye Brown. Don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button and share your favorite podcast episode with your family and friends. Don't forget to share, share, share. I hope you have a splendid day.